I thank you. Uh, let's have a word of prayer before I open up. Father, I pray for your blessing and your grace upon your word and upon our prayer time today. We need you. And uh, even as we say we need you, we need you in the saying of it. Uh, there isn't anything we can do uh, in which we don't need you. Uh, whatever I say today that is uh, worthwhile, that's good, that's right, that's true, uh, that honors you, that helps your people, pray that you would reinforce it and anything that isn't good and is wrong and unhelpful, I pray that you would just erase it from memory. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, our text is Exodus 2.23, and um, I, you know, feel like I'm pre preaching to the choir today, but I, I do love preaching to the choir. <laughs> and uh, so, but I say that at the outset, um, because I know that you're going to agree with this, um, but... I'm thinking of when Peter says that even though you already know these things, I feel it right to stir you up by way of reminder. And um, there are aspects in which we know something, but um, as a friend once said, we need to know it in our knower. Um, we sort of know it and we sort of don't. We sort of believe it and sort of don't. Exodus 2.23, now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. We want God to hear us and we want our cry for help to rise up to him. So I want to open with just some reflective questions. Why don't people pray more? Why have churches canceled their prayer meetings? Why do so few people show up even when there is a prayer meeting? Why is prayer so hard for us, for me? Why is fervency so often lacking in our prayers, in my prayers? There might be many answers to those questions, but I'm thinking of the root cause or issue or one of the root causes or issues. You know, when you peel the onion away, all the layers, and you get at the core middle. Uh, when you see a fruit tree that's not bearing fruit and it's dropping its leaves and withering, you're looking for what is the underlying reason for that. Is it pests? Is it lack of water? Is it bad soil? So that's what I'm getting here with prayer. And I think there's different root causes that we could explore and point to. Um, pride is, of course, always there as one issue we don't pray. Um, boredom with prayer, boredom with God. Uh, those are root issues. Um, but the one I want to focus on today is just a lack of a feeling of neediness. When a man is drowning, um, he's desperate and he cries out. He just does that naturally and spontaneously, sincerely, earnestly. He does it fervently. 
Um, he doesn't need a lecture about how he ought to be crying out more. He doesn't need a lesson on how to produce fervency in his outcries. He doesn't need self-discipline to make him call out. Uh, he doesn't need to tie a string around his finger or have uh, somebody stick a sticky note on his forehead to remind him of his duty to call for help. He just calls out for help because he must. He calls out for help because he can't help himself because it's all he can do. Uh, he calls for help because it's now or never. And if he's not rescued, he's dead. It's just that simple. And that crystal clear vision that he has of his danger and his need impels him to cry out. And that was the case with the Israelites in our text. They were in bondage. Uh, they were slaves. They were oppressed. The people over them, the Egyptians, were not nice at all. Uh, the government was systematically murdering their baby boys by tossing them into the Nile River. And you see the same pattern throughout the Old Testament. It was when things got really, really bad, physically and materially, politically, nutritionally, that Israel would cry out to God. Although sometimes not. Sometimes it didn't matter how bad it got. They just never did cry out. They just continued to stiffen their necks. They continued to cry out to their idols. They continued to rely on self, self-reliance. They continued to hope against hope in false saviors. Um, Judges 10, 8 through 10 is one of those examples where Israel cried out again under oppression. They were being crushed um, and afflicted um, 18 years. Um, their enemies afflicted Israel, who were beyond the Jordan and Gilead and the land of the Amorites. The sons of Ammon crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was greatly distressed. Then the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you. For indeed, we have forsaken our God and served the Baals. So then, when they were greatly distressed, greatly oppressed, what really makes you wonder, how bad does it have to get in our God-forsaken countries before we feel desperate? Um, just to briefly catalog what's going on, at least in America, and I think for those of you who are in other countries, uh, based on having been on this prayer call for some time and listened to the prayers of other people from other countries, this is not too far different, it sounds like, from what's going on in your countries. But we have mass shootings. We have people coming in, uh, psychotic, uh, shooting up children in schools. Um, we have abortion in the millions, an astronomical, uncountable number. We don't have the government yet coming and snatching our children and throwing them into the river. We give them up to be thrown into the river. We have rampant suicide. Uh, demon possession is rapidly on the rise. 
the gangs are proliferating, the child abuse, uh, fornication, and all the social pathologies that go with that. Um, homes without fathers, adultery, glorified and romanticized divorce, broken homes, children angry with their unreconciled parents. No one seems to know how to be a parent anymore. We have an overwhelmed foster care system, homosexuality, transgenderism, filthy entertainment, drag queen story hours, pornography everywhere you look, kidnapping, medical kidnapping, sex trafficking, looting of stores, stores closing down their businesses in certain cities is not going to be there anymore because the shoplifting is just endless and they, they can't operate there anymore. Incessant profanity everywhere you go in every business and every occupation, it seems. Drug addiction through the roof, overdose deaths through the roof. Cities becoming wastelands with trash, urine, and feces decorating the streets. Mouthy, petulant children. Feminist daughters, aimless sons. Generations of lazy, unemployed grifters incomprehensible, unpayable debt, burgeoning prisons, a totalitarian government, government agencies, the three-letter agencies being weaponized against Americans, FBI, CIA, IRS, CDC, tyranny by an oppressive biomedical security state, the, the disappearance of the Bill of Rights, exorbitant taxation, a, an education system in shambles, a broken justice system, and one that's two-tiered, justice for me but not for thee, uh, cancel culture, um, banks, credit card companies freezing people's accounts, the stoking of racial tensions, a limp-wristed mil military, a country on the edge of civil war, and religion, a false religion abounds. False churches are proliferating. False teachers are everywhere. And the true churches that are left, mostly prayerless, quarreling over minutiae and minor questions of practice. The preaching may be doctrinally, doctrinally correct, but it's powerless, and I include my own. Hardly any conversions. Then I could go on and on and on. This that's just scratching the surface of, of what's happening all around us. That's America. It's over. This cannot be fixed. It cannot be fixed by the next presidential election. No politician is going to come save us. Christ is our only hope. And I don't know that if he does what we're asking him to, that it's going to involve the rescue of all of these other things or being rescued out of all the pain of a lot of these things. But it is long past time to be desperate. I wonder how much worse does it have to get 
before we're able to plead and plead like we mean it? Is it going to take famine? Are we simply too fat and too full? It's just a, a haunting question concerning wealth and riches. When the Bible speaks of this, it's, it's um, if, if we're paying attention, it's very uncomfortable. It's hard for the rich to get into heaven. It's hard for the rich to feel needy. That's why. There is some correlation between physical prosperity and spiritual sensitivity and a sense of need. It is difficult to feel spiritually needy while materially prosperous. So we can either give our money away now or we can wait until it's confiscated because it will be. I don't say that because I'm a prophet. I just say it because I've read history and all of this going on around us is not new under the sun. When civilizations collapse, there's a certain um, pattern to it. I wonder if this is why Elijah prayed for famine. What a strange things to a strange thing to pray for. I don't know if I have the courage to pray for famine. But I wonder, is it is it going to take famine? How many Christians will have to be thrown in jail in, in, a, in my own country before we feel desperate? They cried out. Israel cried out. And their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. I'll close with the lyrics of an old uh, Keith Green song. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold. But I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. But what can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew in the wine of your blood.